everyone, you're listening to Prime by Cortex. Today we are not going to be doing a discussion episode. Today is actually the release of our first actual play miniseries. Please be advised that some mild use of adult language is used in the recording of this actual play. It is a time of strife. Ancient cities were raised from their watery graves, reminders of an empire long dead. The resulting thousand-foot waves smashed into the coast, eroding the cities and towns much as it did the foundation of civilization itself. Petty kings and queens rose to prominence, conniving and beating their chest at one another while they filled their coffers with plunder from the flooded graves of their predecessors. Sorcery stolen from the secrets to be had in the waves, corrupting the minds of the weak-willed who dare to even chance a glance at the truth of it all. These jagged lands are known as the Broken Palisade. We open up in the middle of a field. Michelle, would you kindly describe your character as you're riding through the area, skirting along the marshes here, looking for tracks to find your bounty? Michelle is a younger woman, um, probably in her 20s. She's rather intent. She has been hired to find a thief. This is not normal land in general. The Hyperion Age is a very dangerous place. She's trying to keep herself low so that she is not attracting any predators or showing herself to anything potentially dangerous. I mean, it's not just animals to be worried about. There are people, bandits, things that could be a threat to her, especially when dealing with a thief who might have accomplices, especially one that would steal a weapon, since that basically tells you they're already armed. Now, tracking a person's a little different than tracking an animal. You're trying to find signs of horses and things that might be used for transport, such as wheels. So she's moving rather slow as a result of this, trying to find any sign of where this person is. Very quiet, very careful. And your work is not made any easier on this hot summer day. The skies above are not like anything you have ever seen. So that's been a bit of a distraction for you. The skies above for the last couple of weeks have been a dark blood orange for much of the day that you've been traveling in this area. Working your way out of the swamps, through the marshes, and along this trail on the outskirts of the marsh here, you're looking for any signs of uh, foot traffic through here. What makes this harder still is that is a heavily traveled path for one it's not the most ideal and you were hoping to avoid it but let's actually kick this game off with our first roll of the game as you try to track your bounty i have set the stakes to 10 she's just looking for a thief so i'm using one of my lower values well now it's hunting which i have a specialty that would add a d10 and uh, specialties at a d6 right yeah d6 for your specialties and let's see here she's a renowned hunter so Nope, her talent doesn't apply here, and she's not trying to be invisible. Well, I have to beat a 10, you said, so the 6 and 7 with a d10 effect die makes sense to me. Through the muddied road here, uh, you're able to pick up a trail. Now, this is in combination with clues that you've earned earlier. A description of the person that you're hunting would point to the appropriate shoe size being applied here. This person seems to just be uh, making their way off the trail as much as they can 
which makes sense perhaps for our thief here. Uh, but yeah, it all seems to actually double back toward the town of Mudwater, your hometown. Uh, and you begin to follow that trail along. As you ride by, the camera actually stops following you and instead pitches down into the brush here. Zakar, would you kindly describe your character and what you are presently doing right now as you sit in the uh, muck here? Zakar is a also probably 20-ish something male with very pale skin. Uh, he sort of has a line nose, so like a hooked nose, and he's got dark brown eyes and uh, black hair. He's just sort of like in the muck. He got the feeling that maybe uh, followed, so he's basically trying to sort of duck down for a second and figure out what to do and potentially uh, how to uh, better hide his trail. As you're ducked down to the trail, I do have a question for you, actually, before we visit that. Do you still have a special certain little sword on you, or is this sometime after that uh, whole job? Yeah, I think I probably have uh, already handed the object of my job over to the client that hired me. As you're there in the muck, again, this trails like on these outskirts of this marsh the gray marsh you find yourself ankle deep in water pulling yourself from the reeds as the bounty hunter passes on by and something knocks against your leg face down in the water is a body what do you do probably i give like an involuntary like sound of like disgust and maybe like jump back a little bit and so that's going to make a little bit of a splashing noise i imagine it does. Uh, at this point, Michelle has run off just far enough to where that's just out of her earshot. And at this point, Michelle, you're riding around the bend. Uh, so in this regard, you seem totally alone on this uh, sunny, hot, and humid afternoon. Well, you and the body. Yeah, after like sort of gathering myself again, I would probably go and try to check the body. Specifically, I definitely want to see if there's anything of interest on the body. That's just sort of my instinct and also potentially be curious about how they may have died. So maybe looking for any sorts of wounds or anything like that, because I imagine it's not necessary or I don't know. Is it common for bodies to just sort of like pop up in this swampy area like that or in the gray marshes? No. Yeah. OK, so, yeah, that's very strange. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to be trying to figure out what happened with this body. You begin to drag the uh, body perhaps onto hardier land uh, out of the waters of the Gray Marsh. Why don't you go ahead and give me a discern roll? All right. Sounds good. And uh, your difficulty is set a, a whopping, staggering five. All right. Well, let's see what I can do then. Discern, and I think uh, that I'm going to include my uh, prowess with this to see how well I can sort of figure out what's going on here, sort of looking over the body. So, uh, Maybe uh, I'm going to use my better check your pockets distinction. So if we include the root for my roll, that would be a 12 then. With a 12, you knock this out of the water. You're going to actually get a D6 hero die if you want to go ahead and mark that. Yeah, yeah. you begin looking over the body. Uh, the body itself seems very waterlogged. To your eyes, this body's probably been out here in the marshes for near a week. Much of the body has been picked clean, and I mean that in terms of flesh, eyes, and tongue. 
This is not a entirely whole body. The rags of his clothing seem to bear no uh, identifying features or if there were any papers you'd imagine been washed away into the uh, waters here, certainly no bag of coin for you to be hanging onto. But the body itself does have a very peculiar uh, feature about it. Coming out the ears, the nostrils, and just in the uh, in, tucked away inside the t- mouth there, you barely make it out, but you can see a strange, like, orange stock and head of mushrooms growing uh, in places where it shouldn't on this body. Yeah, that's kind of weird and creepy. Um, yeah, without and without anything else to really uh, incentivize me to stick around, I'm thinking that I should probably be getting back to town as quickly as I can. I definitely don't want to run into whatever did this to the body. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you wade your way um, onto more solid land and begin hitching it to uh to town the town of mudwater is a promising town if not for the great floods that flooded the palisades and broke the coast this town probably wouldn't be here Uh, what was here before was a small hamlet at best Uh, but now is become an important trading hub along this region along this road Inside a, well, actually, I'll pose this question to our uh, next player, Maze. Maze, where would you be meeting with Ronnie to give Ronnie back her sword? Um, I think it would be sort of in her her shop or her, she sort of has a storefront as an apartment because she can't be bothered with trivialities when it comes to accommodations she's very straightforward in what she does and uh what she's interested in so it would be probably street level you know one door she has a sign out that just says like inquiries um as she sent word to ronnie that she had acquired an item that she may be interested in she didn't quite put how she got the sword but hoping that her note would be sufficient enough in uh in detail and what does maze look like she is sort of a tall and spindly woman in her late 20s she wears not quite patchworked leathers but it's well worn of good make um but have definitely seen better days Dark hair, pale skin. She spends a lot of it either researching or elsewhere, doing uh, delving, if you will. So she would be at a desk, sort of looking over a book, maybe jotting down some notes, and the sword would be at a table on the side. And walking to the shop, just now arriving after you've already pushed out the last of your customers, which I don't know. Maybe you don't have too many customers in such a town. Regardless, the shop sign is officially closed, but Ronnie, you know that the shop is open to you for a particular reason. Ronnie, as you walk in through the door, would you kindly describe your character? Uh, Yeah, so Ronnie is around 18 years old. She's kind of small for her age. Like, she's short and just kind of... Not necessarily like scrawny, but just like really thin. 
she doesn't have much of a presence in a room. You can like easily forget about her if she's not talking. Uh, she has super worn down leather clothing on, and she has like short brown hair with like a reddish tinge to it, and then just like these soft gray eyes. And she's oddly without a weapon. Oddly, I, I think you're just left with the sheath for the special yeah. weapon of yours. <laughs> the sheath is like way nicer than anything else she has on. Ronnie, as you enter the shop, uh, you see Maze at the counter there, I believe, with your sword. Without looking up, I think Maze, she just calls out, we're, we're closing, sorry, I have an appointment later. Uh, and Ronnie just like approaches the table slowly and she's just like, uh, yeah, I got word that you have something of mine, though. Oh, 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 hello. She kind of looks Ronnie up and down and then looks to the sword, sort of expecting more for such <laughs> such a weapon. Uh, yes, sorry. She goes to the door and sort of shuts it and locks it. Um, hi, yes, I'm, I'm Maze. And, well, I have your sword. Yeah, how is my first question. And also my second is, can I have it? Oh, yes, of course. But, um... Well, you see, I have an interest in these artifacts, if you will, and I had somebody acquire it for me for study. You stole it. In certain words, yes, you can say that you stole it, but I was always meaning to return it, you see? It's of no use to me anyway. It's it's magical properties I can't use, so you can just, you can take it. It's it's practically worthless to me. <laughs> Ronnie looks very upset at the thought of anyone calling this uh, worthless, and she just, like, snatches it off the table and shoves it back into the sheath. You do know how to use it, don't you? Yeah, of course I know how to use it. I mean, I've used it. Not just the, you know, the slashy bit. You do know that there are other properties to this sword, do you not? I mean, I'm still figuring it out. She gives her a hard look again like she's contemplating something like takes in her raggedy not raggedy outfit but her less than polished outfit and just the how well the the sheath is taken care of versus her outfit it is a valuable piece a valuable item i apologize if i downplayed its importance it's no use to me but that does not mean it's no use to you and I would be willing to help you with it if you would let me study the results of uh, of its powers. Well, I, that would be helpful. You see, I have a certain interest in these things. Taking up her notebook, she starts rattling off the, sort of the dimensions of the sword and and all the specs of it and sort of a mile a minute. She starts getting very much into her own head before she sort of stops and looks back uh, i'm i'm sorry i can i can get a little carried away but um i what was your name again i just your your full name uh just ronnie i'm maze hi maze ronnie's eyes kind of were glazing over as you were reading from your notebook <laughs> yeah <laughs> now i i must know there are some things that my notes do not cover where did you get this sword it is most important i was traveling and i took refuge in this 
cave one night and it was just kind of there in the back and it looked like I don't know it looked like maybe I should have it so I took it she's writing all this down furiously a cave could you pinpoint it on a map it was I mean yeah it was far from here though that is fine I have maps of the entire region she goes to the top of a shelf on one of her bookcases and pulls down a large scroll of patchworked maps sort of put together of all different uh, papers and she rolls it out. Now, please, precisely, where did you find this? What region? Was it near the coast? Ronnie looks over the map for a bit and looks much less sure of the location than she (laughs) she probably should be. Uh, And she finally points to an area that's like several weeks like walk away from here if you're just walking on foot oh very interesting okay good good there have been other artifacts that have been found in that area and uh oh how long would it take me to get there and she starts sort of mumbling off like logistics of like supplies that she'll need and and how to get there and the timeline oh oh sorry sorry i can get away from myself but um yes about the magic I think she looks at the sword and looks at Ronnie again and was like, uh, sort of puts out her hand to try to like get the sword back. And uh, I don't know if there's a role she can make to sort of figure something out here with the the sword and how it's tied to Ronnie. Uh, what's your ultimate goal? She wants to find how it's tied to her, to how because this this type of magic isn't the type of magic that she is familiar with, mm-hmm. um, or at least that she's not. She doesn't have a lot of experience in, so she wants to to figure out what kind of magic it is and okay. uh, how it's tied to Ronnie. Okay, yeah, sure. I think recall or discern would be appropriate here. All right, and uh, I have secrets, power, and knowledge, and then uh, her studious, and then I have a specialty lore and history with the supply for the skill. Yeah, I would think so. So a D10 from Recall, Mm -hmm. a D6 for your lore and history, and then one of your values, and then one of your uh, distinctions, which it sounds like studious. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So. And then uh, which values are you rolling? Um, Secrets. Okay, secrets. Cool. Yeah. So D8, D6, D10, another D8. She has a signature asset that are sort of magic binoculars. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> They're not like oh. quite binoculars. They're sort of um, like those those little glass, uh, those little glasses, like circular glasses that you would have sort of maybe on a stick or something. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Like different col- multicolored kaleidoscopic glass in them as she sort of pulls them out of her her pocket and holds them up to look at at this so that's another d6 i Mm. love that so much (laughs) Uh, well the difficulty at the beat is a six okay can i step down studious to get plot points yeah you can so that'll be a d4 instead of a d8 cool all right rolling it Okay, and uh, mark up your plot points. I'll take the, I guess I'll take the 8 and the 5, so the D8, and then the 5 from the D6, and then D10 as the, or does it matter? I, I'm I'm still a little... 
So when it comes to effect dice, yep. mo- most of the time it's only going to matter for contests. That's not to say that it never matters for uh, normal tests like this. Yeah. Um, it's just that we mostly care about when two characters are going head to head. Okay. All right. So she'll just do, she'll take the D8 and the D10 and then the D6 effect die. So that is a 15. 15. And that's going to blow this difficulty out of the water. You're going to get D6 hero die. Cool. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So... I, I assume this is kind of representing research that you did off screen, or is this something you're trying to figure out like right here, right now? This is putting together all the pieces. Now that she sort of has Ronnie in her presence, she can turn her binoculars on her as well to sort of see how the sword and how Ronnie are tied and get a little better understanding of what the sword is capable of. Yeah. And uh, the sword is now in Ronnie's possession, right? Yeah. Okay, so I think while you're looking through these magical binoculars, uh, you can see that the sword in her hand, uh, which I kind of imagine, Ronnie, you're checking over the sword for any sort of like defects that may have incurred in this person's possession. You can see that Ronnie is kind of consumed by the sword's like radiant blue aura. Uh, and this surrounds both Ronnie and the aura. And frankly, it's almost too bright to look at. We remove the binoculars. I I do not believe that the sword is glowing at this time. Uh, Ronnie, would you care to elaborate? Your your steel sword glows blue when activated, but what actually activates it? It's just kind of. It's not like any physical thing. It's just like whenever Ronnie wants to use it, it just knows. Like it's. Like, they're connected. Not that the sword has a mind, but, like, her mind is connected to it. Ronnie, um, we've established that some folks are born with magic. Is that the case with you? Yes. Uh, so I think, Maze, uh, as you're examining the aura uh, between the two, and just, like, perhaps moments before you caught a glimpse of Ronnie's aura before she picked up the sword, you can surmise that Ronnie is just inherently magical, but she seems to have a strong attunement to this sword. With that said, as you're kind of taking this in, I do want to cut back outside of your shop as we have Michelle ride in on her horse. So Michelle, uh, riding in on your horse, you've been searching for this person for this supposed thief for the better part of an entire day. Uh, This person seems to have just been running through the general area here, but never actually straying too far from the town of Mudwater. It seems like at some point this person made camp outside the town, and evidently they were joined by someone at one point, but those two seem to have gone their separate ways, and this person seems to have doubled back to some extent, back toward the town of Mudwater, though at this point you've lost your trail uh, for reasons that we, well, we frankly know why off screen. Now, as you ride into town, it is nearing the evening. The people of Mudwater pay no mind to you as you enter the town today. Today's the Day of the Torchlight Festival, a time where everyone spends the waking hours remembering everything they've lost in the last year, and with the blood orange skies above, people can't help to see it as an ill omen. And uh, frankly, when the evening arrives, the festival will kick off uh, with all the participants who, w- who want to uh, running a mile for every year 
that has gone by since the great floods uh, took away so much for a lot of these villagers. There's a lot of people here who aren't native to Mudwater, who had villages that were consumed by the floods. Uh, and some of those villages and towns now belong to the Gray Marsh or other parts of the coast that have been washed away. Where do you go now that you've kind of come to a dead end here? That's going to be a lot of rotations eventually. I'm just thinking about that. If you have to run a lap for every year. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, no, one, no one's thinking about the long term of this, right? It was just some person's idea. And then once that's done, once the first torch finally returns back home, everyone just kind of drinks and parties all night. It's the general idea. Right. Okay. Well, drinks and parties all night. Hmm. Because the thing is, if I was going to personally look for somebody in a town, and I know this is pretty stereotypic, but a tavern, I mean, you know, depending on the society, bars are usually the central area. Bars usually doubles inns. You know, entire Norse villages were built around them. English villages were too, I think. I'm not an expert. So it makes sense. But if they're all out partying, do they all party in the streets in a festival or do they party at their own homes? Or I mean, I would probably know this. For the first few hours, to say the least, everyone seems to party in a central location here in Mudwater on the town square. Then it starts to diffuse out into the streets. And by the time the morning comes, which is when the festival officially ends, people have typically broken off into partying in their own homes with one another. In the beginning, I'd want to search the main gathering since everyone is going to be there. And thieves are generally pretty hedonistic. They'd probably be reveling. It's not like they know anyone's hunting for them. Unless they do, then they probably wouldn't. But uh, I think that'd probably be the first place I'd go. would be try to check the party out, see if there's anyone suspicious there, someone who's spending more money than they have. And then if that doesn't turn up anything, I'd probably start then looking around for anyone who specifically didn't go to the party because either they are spending more money than they have or they're trying to lay low okay awesome yeah we'll have to ask zakir uh what he was exactly doing out there but um in the meanwhile while you're kind of spending some time looking around uh why don't we actually have you make another role for me uh, as you do this are you doing this sort of like are you just Literally watching uh, people, uh, like people watching, or are you asking around? Or are you doing a combination of all these things? Well, I am the strong silent type. That's one of my distinctions. So I can't view my character as sitting around talking to people, not really a social butterfly. So I think it'd be more the case of either moving around, supporting the walls uh, while keeping an eye on everyone, if you're familiar with the phrase, like leaning against a wall. Mm hmm Trying to just, uh, you know, you know, uh, giving everyone an ocular pat down, that kind of thing. Uh, I don't think we actually need a role for this. I think you spend some time doing this, um, hitting the main area, as, as you had mentioned before. Um, a short while after you have arrived in town, uh, Zakar, you have also arrived in town, arriving on foot. Where exactly do you go first thing back uh, now that you're back in town? Did I notice when michelle like passed me one in the uh swamp yeah I, I would say you did okay well i think that uh zakar probably feels like he evaded evaded capture already and has thrown his 
uh, Hunter off the scent. So he's going to sort of go down to sort of uh, that central area that we were talking about and sort of casually enjoying the festivities, not really drawing attention to himself, but he figures that the best place to, uh, you know, blend in is with a big crowd. So he's just going to be hanging around there and uh, making some use of his uh, newfound wealth that he got from, uh, yeah. How long have you been in the area? Ooh, um, maybe like the last hour or so. Zakar, as you begin to partake in the growing gathering, at this point, I think anyone who's planning on running uh, has already taken off. This isn't like a marathon race that people care to like actually watch. Uh, so when they run, when they run off, and I think this year there's a couple dozen felt the need to partake. Most people are already starting to uh, drink and uh, eat and be merry, and you kind of integrate yourself in this. Now, as you do so, you walk past a uh, giant wagon. This wagon rode in not long before you. It kind of sticks out uh, among the merchant wagons and all the other foot traffic that you have seen so far in the town and this is mainly because it is being escorted by eight warriors of kyog kyog is a warlord whose power is seated in the not too distant city of kazimir they seem to have just been passing through but now the wagon seems to just be manned by uh, two people who are kind of eyeing anyone who gets a little too close to the wagon uh, very suspiciously. Additionally, uh, it's not lost on you that these warriors who stick out as sore thumbs uh, have sort of fanned themselves throughout the uh, crowd, talking with folks, in some instances getting a little rough with folks. They seem to be looking for something or somebody. What do you do? Oh, man. Lots of stuff going on here. Um, Definitely am sort of aware of... Kyo, the Warriors of Kyog, I think. Um, definitely don't want to mess with them. Although, you know, I have had my run-ins in the past, you know, maybe uh, pickpocketed a few. So definitely don't want to be caught by them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to sort of like escape into an alleyway and sort of like watch from cover maybe. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I am very interested in this wagon though. So I kind of just want to, wait and see what's going on with that and see if I can find an opening to check it out. So I'm going to call for a roll. This roll is going to be twofold. So first we're going to get a roll from Zakar uh, as you're trying to hide out. You're going to essentially test create an asset for yourself. Uh, So would you kindly make a sneak roll or if you're perhaps trying to be more deceitful, a trick? Sure. Um, I, I think sneak... All right, so let's see then. Mm-hmm. I've rolled four for the difficulty as well as an opportunity. Uh, just out of curiosity, can the opportunities affect the Doom Pool at all, or is that totally separate? Uh, some people, that's that's totally separate. Um, some people have my other games to allow that. Uh, I don't, I, I think it's more powerful than people realize to be able to do that. Um, because you're you're basically directly messing with my source of plot points since I don't have it, so that's uh, that's not a thing we'll be doing for this game. That's and it's totally fair. Not officially a thing in the book either. Alrighty then. Well, let's see then. Um, I think I'm going with survival as my value because I'm definitely trying to not get in trouble, not get caught. 
Okay, so yeah, I'm adding my sneak in too. And then I'm going to use my at home in the shadows distinction. And I do have an opportunity, you said. And I can't bank that, right? I have to use it right now? Yeah, you, you would have to use that right now. Uh, okay. Which there, there are no like um, assets on the table at the moment that I think would interest you. And there's no complications that you're worried about. So uh, it's really not that big of an opportunity, to be honest. Could actually, I can create an asset, right? Or no? With the opportunity. Uh, you can't. It okay. only impacts existing stuff. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. Um, all right. So I'll just roll as is, I think. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I've got a 13, but I also rolled a hitch. Yeah. And I'm obviously going to gobble up that hitch. So go ahead and give yourself a plot point. Will do. Uh, and I'm going to add this to the Doom pool. This was an eight. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like you have a 13. Which blows mine right out of the water. Uh, it was the four t- for the total. So you beat this by an order of, t- uh, I think just once, right? So nine, yeah. So you only beat this once. So this is a heroic success for you. So even though you rolled a hit, you're going to get a d6 hero die. Uh, and yeah, so because you had no remaining dice, you had a D4, but this gets stepped up to a D6. So you have a D6 asset, uh, which once you go ahead and named, uh, this asset is basically you uh, hiding out here. Yeah. Um, so could I could I say for the asset, maybe could it work to say uh, distracted guards or does it have to be specifically focused on me? No, uh, distracted guards work. Okay, yeah, I feel like maybe the guards are sort of like looking around, but they're not noticing me in the alley. And so maybe uh, I'll have a better chance to maybe sneak up to that wagon, potentially. Oh, you're trying to make your way to the wagon. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that I was uh, just looking for an opening. You know, I'm I'm hiding out, but I definitely want to hit up that wagon if possible. All right, yeah, fantastic. I mentioned that this was going to be like a twofold role. The second role is actually going to be Michelle. So Michelle, uh, you're currently looking for Zakar. You don't know his name uh, precisely, but you do know the face uh, that you're looking for. And so you're going to actually be entering into our first contest of the uh, campaign. The contest is between you and the guards rather than you and Zakar here, because it's more important that uh, you find Zakar uh, before they do for purposes of your bounty and for what may come. In the contest, you roll first, uh, and then the guards will decide whether or not they'll roll against you. Do I know that I'm trying to beat the guards? Do you not know that you're trying to beat the guards. Okay, so that changes how I view the values here. Well, actually, I, I would say that, at, at the very least, you do notice the same things as the car notices. That there's that wagon there, that uh, the guards are kind of fanned out throughout the um, town square here. And they're asking around for somebody, uh, and in some instances, aggressively so. You're aware that they seem to be on the prowl for something or somebody. So I kind of want to beat them then. I mean, I don't like losing. If, I mean, you know, I didn't become a renowned hunter by other people beating me to the punch. Yeah, obviously. All right, no hitches. I got, I don't know the difficulty I'm trying to beat. So, 
I want to do the D10 effect die and increase the effectiveness of it, but only have a 9 result? Or do I want to have a 13 result with a D6 effect die? I'm more interested in succeeding at the task, so I'd probably be slipping up and not putting as much thought into things. So I'm going to use the D6 and the D10 to make a 13, and then use the D6 as my effect die. And they are going to roll against you? Ooh, they also got a 13. They did not uh, beat you. Actually, I think what I'll do is spend a d6 from the Doom Pool uh, to bring in that third die. So this is going to bring them at a total of 18. Now, I believe that beats out your total. You have a choice here. You can give in or you can escalate. Let me think. What's the more fun option here? Giving in is kind of boring, but escalating against guards is not a survival-heavy idea. I am not bad at lying, though. What if I get directly involved with the guards? Put on this out here. What if I go? What if I see the guards are starting to get a little close, and I lie? I basically pull the he went that away. I'm not bad at lying, so maybe I'll approach some of the guards and say, you know, I know you're looking for someone. I've been tracking someone myself, but. According to the tracks I was following, I believe they actually have left the village already. Okay. Yeah, I think what this looks like, if we have a sort of overhead view of the situation, right, is the car's uh, kind of ducking into a alcove that he can kind of pretend like he's being part of the festivities and minding his own business. And the guards are getting pretty close uh, to Zakar, but... You think you may have spotted your mark uh, that meets the task. And so as a guard begins heading toward the alcove, I think that's when you're the one that like chimes in with that idea. All right. And so that would be D6, because I'm still trying to do this to win. D6 from performing. D6 from my specialty for lying. And the fact that, frankly, I'm being a kind of an idiot. I'm going to throw in my secretly a disaster. Okay. Got a hitch. So I have one hitch. My result is going to be an 11 with a D6 effect die, but I do have one hitch. I am going to buy that hitch. So go ahead and give yourself a plot point. And I'll add a... Uh, actually, instead of adding a D6 to my pool, I'm just going to bump the existing D6 to a D8. So I got two D8s in my Doom pool. I think what happens here is that the suspicion uh, turns on you. Uh, first and foremost, that guard that you're trying to uh, trying to deceive, he instead turns his attention on you, spear at his side, uh, and begins to question you. Uh, and what you kind of learn from this uh, line of questioning is it seems like they're trying to look for uh, some sort of special trinket. And so... Um, He's essentially asking, like, well, one, demanding that you, like, clear your pockets, but then also just asking you uh, where you've been all day, et cetera, et cetera, that kind of line of questioning. And over his shoulder, you can see a pair of guards approach that alcove. Now, Zakar, you're not discovered. It's just that uh, we have a sort of lost opportunity here for Michelle um, to get to you before the guards do. The guards begin to enter your alcove here, uh, Zakar. Now, before we cut from you because i do want to cut from you to figure out what ronnie and Maze are now doing uh, i'm going to ask the two of them where they've taken the scene of theirs uh, or if they've moved on what do you do as a pair of guards uh enter this alcove one guard uh basically 
holds like an old man that's sharing this alcove with you at spear tip because this old man was going to try to sidle by and leave. And the other guard is kind of looking you up and down. He kind of winces as he sniffs the air, very exaggerated. And it's like, you, you smell like shit. And he points to you as a car. Uh, and you're clearly still like muddied from waiting around in the marshes earlier. What do you do? That happens when, uh, you know, you uh, run a successful um, swamp transport business. He blinks very slowly at you. This broad-shouldered man is trying to dig within the recesses of his mind to figure out if he has ever heard of a swamp transporting business of any sort. Yeah, so I'm definitely uh, trying to trick him for sure. To respect your earlier role, uh, we still have that distracted guards thing so i think if you're looking to pick up dice for a contest that can play into the narrative here they get distracted by something uh, regardless of your role works for me yeah this definitely uh, like i'm I'm really trying to get out of this so i i think that's definitely playing into my survival for sure tricking yeah i think at home in the shadows again because i'm trying to sort of like sneak my way through this in a sense just uh Mm -hmm with words instead of actual hiding. And then, of course, the guards are distracted, so that'll help me out, too. Absolutely. And let's do it. So it looks like I've got a 14 with a D8 effect die. Uh, I It looks like I have a whopping 6 <laughs> with a, D, uh, a D10 effect die. So they have lost the roll. I think what happens here is the first runner for the uh, Torchlight Ceremony comes racing in but gets knocked down by an overzealous guard who mistook this person as someone running in and charging on them right because this is the same person that this is the same guard that has like the old man um at spear point i i think this causes a confuffle as the torch bearer uh fumbles with the torch and this this causes both guards to kind of like spin on this person and you just kind of slide out from here. Now you're going to get a D10 hero die. Uh, you're also find that there is an opportunity to approach that wagon. Two guards that are guarding it. This wagon is like particularly close by to this conversation. And so you begin to make your way over there, unknowingly passing Michelle, who is still <laughs> like being uh, held up by this other guard. As this kerfuffle is happening, I want to know what our other two players are doing. Now, where we last left off with you two, Maze, you were examining Ronnie's aura and you had just given her back her sword. Are we still at that scene or has enough time passed by uh, that you would be doing something else? Unless Ronnie interrupted the dream of conscious research details that Maze was spewing out at her, uh, then Maze would still be imparting knowledge onto Ronnie about the the intricacies and the interest uh, of her sword and what that means and you know going into mundane and probably very boring details in true scholarly fashion yeah <laughs> i think at some point ronnie would have she listened politely for a long time wondering when it was a good time to cut her off and eventually it was just like Okay, how can this help me, though? Oh, 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 well, um, well, you see, you are inherently magical. I'm also inherently magical. It's, it's a bloodline thing passed down. I'm not gonna go into the history details of it, but 
the fact that you have a sword that is copacetic and tied to that magic, it, it, it has the same magic as, as your magical aura, if you will, is very important. And it can uh, make your magic more powerful, if you understand. It's like amplifies it. Okay, when do you want to start? Because I, yeah, I want that. I don't rain many people, but I can I can help you attune to it better. But I, I do have a little bit of research that I have to do, sort of, and she sort of points outside. She's like, there's a gathering of a lot of people, and she pulls out her binoculars. Like, I'd like to people watch and see if I can find any other, not subjects, but subjects. What's the point of you finding more people? What do you get from it? Well, the more I understand others and the more I understand magic and magical items and where they come from and their lineage and their bloodline, the more I understand about self. And, you know, and she sort of like trails off because I don't think anyone's like specifically asked her that question before, no matter like what. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) they sort of just zone out and don't really have an interest in her research or what she does. So she she's a little bit at a loss. Uh, I, I do it because it'll help me understand the world better, put it plainly. That seems like a pretty noble cause. I'm mostly just concerned with how it will affect me. Well, that's good of you. At that, uh, she sort of packs up her maps where she was and and her list of supplies and logistics if she were to go where Ronnie found the sword on an expedition and she sort of leads her towards the door so you we should have fun right out amongst the people oh okay around people yeah that sounds like fun studies can wait for another day where's your place like located it's not on the main thoroughfare like, she does have services of, like, identifying things, but the more customers she has, the more time it takes away from her own studies. So she just kind of does it to get by, but she doesn't actually want people coming into her shop. It's off on a side street, more likely than uh, on the main mm. thoroughfare. Okay. So I kind of imagine this conversation carrying out onto the street. Uh, would that be fair uh, as you're packing up and leaving? Yeah. Okay. Ronnie. Maze, as you exit out onto the side street, all of Mudwater streets are muddy and often watery, oddly enough, despite the fact that, uh, you know, it's, it's not always raining. In any case, you can see that the torchbearers that decided to kick off the Torchlight Festival are making their way up the street here. They seem to be really giving it their all this year. Uh, they are sprinting ahead. One person even stumbles and drops their torch. Uh, one person screaming their head off. They uh, they seem very, very into it this year as they kind of glance back, surely for other torchlight runners, which, you know, you don't recall this being a competition. And yet here we are. Uh, they kind of uh, blast past you. And one of them trips and falls right into the mud right in front of you, just seemingly out of breath. He says, ah, run for your lives. And he's scrambling on all fours to get that footing again and just keeps bolting up the road here. Looking the opposite way, you can see that there are a couple of herons from the uh, marshes. Uh, They're pretty common sight on the marshes, uh, kind of flying fairly like low to the ground here, just like basically at like the average person's like hip. And they seem to be rather large. What do you do? 
I think at first she sort of looked at the runners like, well, don't take it that seriously. There's no prize at the end, <laughs> as he sort of runs away. And then seeing these birds, I think she's more fascinated than scared. <laughs> she's like, oh, what is this? This is this is fun. So she pauses, I think, for a moment to sort of look at them approach, not realizing their danger at first. Sure. One of the herons swoops past the two of you, and then the other uh, does swoop past a little bit, but kind of zooms back. Now, this heron is about a third of the size larger than you've seen. Uh, both of them are. And what's weird still is you don't remember their wingspans being scaly with the glint of orange, yet you that's what you're seeing as this creature hovers above the two of you. The wind from its wings kind of wrestling your clothing about and it caused uh, fiercely we cut back to the town square uh where uh zakar you finally made it to the wagon itself peeking a glance in the wagon seems to have uh, a bunch of supplies but more importantly chess and chess more often than not means gold what do you do assuming that i see that no one currently has their eyes directly on me i would try to climb into that wagon and open the chest, see what I can find inside. As you're kind of concerned with this, and specifically with the guards, by the time you climb into the wagon, one of those runners that was like frantically running in that side street by Ronnie and Maze is now stumbling in the mud himself, and his torch actually goes flying top of the wagon. It's a covered wagon. And you don't notice it quite yet, but this wagon is slowly starting to catch on fire. There are screams all about, and Michelle, as you finally convince this knucklehead of a guard to leave you alone, basically a wall of people begin to run past you from the square, going the opposite direction as that runner uh, that I just mentioned. Seems like chaos is erupting here in the town center. Michelle has a very strong survival instinct. Uh, it's a very important value to her. So she's not the most charitable or nice either. Now, she would probably know a thing or two about these animals. Are these natural? Or are these a strange sight in the wild? All these animals that are present as you're looking about, which you can see a few herons, but you can also see a couple of snakes and marsh rabbits and rats, all of which are larger than normal but are natural sightings um, in the marshes. But they are larger than normal, and I think you mentioned the herons had scales. Yes. So there's clearly something wrong here. So if I'm free to go, my main response would be to get the heck out of here, because if all the, everything's moving in one direction, that's probably the direction to go. Okay. Now, I have a item on me, a closed-eyes necklace that allows me to blend it into the night, but I notice it's not night yet, is it? Well, I, don't th I think we established it's still daytime. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. It is now twilight. Hmm. So half and a half. It leaves me sick and weary. I don't know if I'd activate it just yet, but I'm going to keep it in the back of my mind, start to go with the direction the animals are going, essentially moving away from them. If my horse is on the way, I'm getting on it. I didn't even know I had one. So you're moving away from them. Uh, Zakar, you're currently examining the chess. Um, and starting to catch a whiff of smoke, but you're still not quite sure that the uh, wagon itself is on fire, but you do hear the screaming outside. What are you doing in response to that? I just kind of want to get a pulse of uh, where everyone's at. 
like how big is this chest from what I can tell? Like, and uh, I was going to say, if it's small enough, I might try to like pick it up and take it with me. Oh, it's definitely a two person carry. It's a large chest. If I'm starting to smell smoke and I'm hearing a lot of screaming, I sort of like regretfully turn away and probably try to uh, sneak out the back of the wagon and hopefully get away uh, after surveying my surroundings a bit. As you begin to approach the uh, back of the wagon here, crossing the mouth of that wagon into frame and then out of frame is a woman who is currently screaming. Something seems to have latched onto her leg, although you only see her from the hip up from your position in the wagon. And yeah, she falls out of frame, out of your view. And when you take a look out, you can see a large scaly rabbit is currently munching on her leg. Uh, At this point, I think we're going to get into the action order. What we're basically dealing with here is a uh, mob. We're not dealing with any single creature. It's a mob of apparently infected marsh creatures. And so they're essentially represented by a, a pool of dice that you can target and shrink. Uh, Now, if your goal is like Michelle's here is to get out, I mean, you don't have to fight in order to subvert this encounter. But just FYI, you're going to be dealing with basically a mob, even though we have all these separate creatures, they're all part of the same uh, mob. So in terms of picking someone to go and next in the action order, uh, there's only one um, NPC, as it were, uh, GMC, as it were, and that's the mob itself. Now, with that said, I'm actually going to pick Ronnie to go first. Now, Ronnie, uh, where we left off with you, there was a giant heron in front of you flapping his wing and clearly intending on uh, swooping in and biting down. And in fact, when we cut back to you, it is currently swooping in to bite down on your friend here. What do you do? Yeah, so the second Ronnie heard someone say run, she, like, her instinct is okay we're running now uh so i think she took like a couple steps and then realized maze wasn't going anywhere and kind of stopped went back to her and is kind of like we have to go but then the thing is on them and it's too late and it's time to attack it so she pulls her sword out and goes for it and i think it it's just the regular sword right now it hasn't activated yet. Uh, how do I make a roll to attack it? Great. Um, if you want to attack it, uh, you're still going to pick up a value here. Uh, you're still going to pick a distinction. But if you're attacking with your sword, which it sounds like you are, you're going to roll your clash. And if you're describing yourself as fighting dirty, then you can roll an extra d6 for that. Uh, you're attacking with your sword, so that's relevant, right? So it's a d8. And then, uh, yeah, basically, you just need to pick your distinction and your uh, value here. Okay, well, distinction will probably be cool under pressure. D8 for that. Or I have a lot. Maybe I would make that a D4, and then I get a plot point. And then let's just go with prowess for the value since she's skilled with a sword. Uh, okay, I got a hitch with my my D four. <laughs> okay, uh, which I'm going <laughs> to buy that hitch from you and uh, turn it into a die for the Doom Pool. 
assign your total. So pick two of those dice. And I don't know the difficulty that I'm rolling against yet, right? So I'll be putting a reaction roll. And uh, yeah, unlike a regular contest, that won't escalate. It will just be the one and done. And when it comes to reaction rolls, it's really just sort of like the defensive traits. So you're not worried about getting hurt yourself as a result of a failure. So yeah, I'll spend my plot point and I'll keep those two sixes, the five, or and the five, for a total of 17. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and roll the reaction. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, that's four ones. So I rolled five d six. That's four ones, uh, four opportunities, and a single uh, three. So the total is three. Uh, you blew this out of the park. Um, you're going to get a d six hero die. You're also, uh, which I think this is your first hero die. Yeah, it's uh, top there. Uh, so basically, the way hero dice works is if you have hero dice um, after you have made a roll. And after you have already like picked all your picked out your total and stuff, the benefit of the hero die is choosing to roll it like after you've already seen the results that you otherwise had. So if you didn't like what you rolled, like I definitely don't like what I've rolled right now, but I don't get hero dice, right? Uh, but if I did, I would spend a plot point to then roll that hero die, and whatever that die rolls, it automatically gets added to the total. I I rolled a three to your eighteen. This is no threat, uh, no <laughs> consequence to you. And because uh, your effect die is definitely going to be bigger than the D6, uh, you are essentially um, whittling down this mob. So you slice the heron in half, I think. And what happens next is uh, you didn't realize it, but a couple of, of these equally mutated rabbits, a third the size bigger, uh, very scaly with the orange glint to the scales, have tried uh, coming up on you, and you also cut into them, whittling down this mob of ours. Uh, so the mob has grown weaker. Pick who you would like to go next. Um, you have the other players, and you have the mob. Do I pick a specific player, or just say the players go next? You pick a specific player. Let's just go with Maze. Okay. Uh, Maze, you just watch Ronnie here slice through a heron and a couple of mutated rabbits. Uh, you find yourselves in the street right now, and you don't presently have any of this weird marsh swarm here confronting you, but you can certainly see them in the streets. Some people are starting to run every which way to return to their shops or their homes on your streets, all attracting all sorts of attention. To your left, you can see a pair of giant snakes about to pounce on a older man and his child. To your right, you can see a appears to be a bear just ambling up the streets in your direction. Um, it doesn't have its eyes on you specifically, but it's heading in your direction. What do you do? So seeing how handily Ronnie took care of this heron uh, without even activating her sword, Maze wants to figure out what's wrong with them to maybe find a weakness to either defeat them easier or find out what the, the heart of the, the problem in these animals is. Now that she's sort of given a, a moment that Ronnie is taking care of the, the immediate threat in front of her. That sounds like a discern check to me. Mm -hmm. 
and you're just going to be rolling against the normal doom pool. It will come as a reaction roll still, but uh, if you're successful, you're you're basically going to create an asset. Assets are basically the mirror image to complications, where complications are rolled against you for factors that hinder you. Assets are things that you can roll in your pool for factors that help you. And in this case, it's going to be like probably knowledge base, uh, but assets can very much be items or environmental, which is all to say the effect die is going to matter for this roll. Okay. Because uh, whatever size your effect die is, is going to be the size of the asset, but only if you're successful in the roll. Okay, so this will be her secrets, because um, knowledge is everything. Uh, you said discern. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this would be reckless or studious, because she's not. She's studying these things in the midst of this mayhem. And then, of course, she's going to pull out her binoculars to try to uh, look at like what kind of magic it is, or or if it's something different than that. So uh, okay. So that would be a 10, also a hitch with a D8 effect die. Mark up your plot points. I am going to take that hitch. Okay. Uh, so I rolled a 12. Mm. Oh, okay. So I rolled, yeah, I rolled a 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also rolled an opportunity, which there's, I, I don't think there's anything you would want to buy that opportunity for. So uh, right now, yeah, I think you're looking around and I think what happens here while we have Ronnie um, distracted by uh, the carcasses now at her feet. You realize two things. One, you're going to need to get a closer look. Uh, that means either taking in one of these carcasses or getting dangerous, dangerously close to one of the creatures that are alive. Uh, but then two, you also notice that the bear has noticed you and is slowly making his way over. And with that said... Who do you choose to go next? You have Michelle, Zekar, and the mob that are viable choices. As she sees the bear come close, she curses, <laughs> and it uh, it switches over to Michelle, I believe. So okay. So the thing is, Michelle is dealt with wild animals before, and. In her view, if she is dealing with a large stampede and she's just one person, the smartest thing is to stay, try to get away from them unless that no longer becomes an option. So one thing is most of these people are staying, most of these people, most of these animals seem to be land animals and the flying ones are staying close to the ground. So it makes sense to try to blend in with something tall and big that might hide them and put distance between them. If there's any trees around or anything, she might try to get herself hidden amongst the foliage, which is what I'd call the asset. I think you're going to be rolling a C mob pool for this one. And I'm actually going to say that her view is sort of, I'm going to hide. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to strike. So she's actually going to activate her closed-eyed necklace, I think, to make herself, to blend in with the twilight and the darkness of the forest. Okay. So she has a necklace with a closed eye, and if she opens the eye, in sort of an ironic twist, uh, she becomes less visible. Her skin kind of turns more translucent, almost. Now, the feeling is sort of alien and uncomfortable. It's kind of like if you had an eel wriggling around in your stomach still alive. Ugh. (laughs) That's horrifying. So, oh my god. (laughs) 
I don't even think there's any point using plot points on this. This is just an awful <laughs> roll. So, okay, so people who can't see the screen know I rolled a D10, a D4, a D8, and a D6. And the result was 2115. Oof. Yeah, that's a 7 with the D4 effect. I'm just going to buy one of those hitches. I'm going to buy that D8 from you, so you're going to get a plot point. I'm going to get a D8. I'm going to go ahead and roll for the mob for the defensiveness of this. I, I think that could be like narrated as in they're... I mean, they're generally looking around, right? I think... We'll go ahead and roll this. <laughs> okay. Uh, there are a lot of ones tonight. I rolled three ones out of the uh, 4D6. Oh, I think I... I think I still won. Yeah. I won. That's uh, great. Yeah, you won by one. Okay. Yeah, because I rolled a six total. You're basically hiding out, right? Like, what was your success look like? Well, uh, can I ask, uh, since I had a D4 effect die, a D4 asset isn't the best, but I have four plot points. Is it allowed to spend a plot point to make that a D6 asset at least? To increase the size of my effect die? Yeah. Yep. Otherwise, it's really just not that useful of an asset. So I'm going to spend one of my plot points to say that basically, you know, this my view on how this plot point is working out, you know, the, the, it makes sense. She should be able to blend in as she activates this closed eye and moves into the nearby foliage, climbing up one of the trees to keep some distance above her, getting on a perch as the closed eye necklace is making her skin translucent. And she just sort of blends in with these shadows looking down with her spear in hand, either waiting for all this to just play itself out because, you know, crap happens or waiting to strike if she needs to but for the time right now she's just trying to keep herself alive uh i think i'm going to spend one of my uh doom dice i'm going to spend a d8 to give you a complication uh this complication is going to be nausea so if you would wouldn't mind putting that on your sheet and basically i think to kind of like add on to the effects of your closed eye necklace which always leaves you wary and sick um i think this complication kind of derives from the fact that it's definitely a thing that you have to build up tolerance for um and that that tolerance can go down if it's if it's been a while since you've used the item and that's that's basically what i'm saying is happening here and so you feel a wave of nausea as you climb this tree. It's been a while since you've activated the necklace, just long enough for you to feel this wave. It's, it's, it's like being seasick again, along with the eels in your stomach. People talk about butterflies in their stomach, but they've never tried eels. <laughs> perfect. Um, well, not perfect, uh, but you are like up in the tree, if barely so. I think what that kind of looks like is a pair of rabbits kind of turned the corner uh, and is approaching just as you're scuttling up the tree here. And so they hop around past you. Uh, with that said, who do you want to pass the torch off to? The mob or Zakar? Let's alpha strike this, Zakar. So yeah, I just came out of the uh, wagon, if I remember correctly, and I had seen like someone get felled by a mutant rabbit. Yes. Like, are there still a lot of animals around me or... Uh, there are a lot of animals in the street in general. Okay. If none of them are, like, actively attacking me at the moment, I'm probably just going to try to, like, get away from the craziness as quickly as possible. Okay. Yeah. Um, survival at its fullest. All right. So, yeah, I, th I, I think a lot like Michelle that my, my goal is just to sort of, like, avoid danger and get out of there. So, and it's appropriate because my uh, survival statement is I'll die one day, but today is not that day. 
trying to decide if that would be more of a survive role also for my skill or maybe a sneak, like trying to get away. This is more of a move, unless you're being particularly sneaky about it. But if you're like straight up booking it, uh, then it would be move. And I think the difference here between just sneaking and moving is like with sneak, you know, that's kind of slow moving. You might have to do more stuff to like actually get to safety. Um, whereas move is just like you're booking it and you can get to safety assuming you're uh, you're successful, right? Yeah, it's going to be move then. And I think basically what's happening is, you know, I'm at home in the shadows, but I'm also trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. So I can't really like hide as well as I would normally if I could take my time. You know, there's definitely the chance there for me to be caught. So I'm actually going to turn that uh, at home in the shadows to a D4. I love it. Yeah. So here we go. Woo! All right. So that's going to be 12 with the D4 effect. That is a 10. And mm, do I spend a Doom Die? Yeah, you bet I do. I spend a Doom Die um, to, let's see, you have a 12? Uh, yeah, I spend a Doom Die to keep an extra for uh, to bump my total up to a 13, uh, beating you out. Uh, so I think you um, book it leaping over this poor woman who's getting mauled on by uh, a bunch of rabbits. Yeah, you begin sliding against the uh, mud here as you try to slow yourself down as you come face to face with an alligator that's a good 10 yards away and you instead run down an alleyway. This alleyway begins to carry you forward. I think you're like looking behind you when you suddenly um, trip and you go sliding out because everywhere in mud water is just muddy and disgusting. And you begin sliding out into this uh, side uh, road, just mere feet from a bear that is now rearing up into um, its rear legs there and getting giving off a roar. Uh, this is the same size treats as uh, as Maze, your employer um, from earlier. Ah, yeah. Um, and actually, while you're face in the mud, um, looking up and evaluating the situation. I don't think you quite realize that Maze is uh, there. I think Maze is like a good, we'll say like 20 feet away to your right, so you haven't noticed her there yet. There's no players left. Is uh, is mob time. It's, uh, it's flash yeah. mob time. I think what I'm going to do is actually have the mob work through the bear. So the bear is going to nose you there and is going to try to uh, strike you. So I'm going to go ahead and roll, and you're going to go ahead and build like a defensive pool representing yourself, either taking the blow or dodging the blow, however you want to describe that. Sure, okay. Yeah, and my total is a 9 with a d6 effect. Sure, okay. Yeah, so let's see, survival? I guess if I'm getting out of the way... Actually, could I try to like take out my dagger to defend myself against the bear would that count as a defensive pool or is that more just like yeah it'll just be like you peering or like threatening them by wildly swinging around yeah that's fine okay cool you're just not inflicting harm on your defensive turn sure so maybe not clash then but maybe yeah if you want to still like roll clash well I mean, if you're getting physical with it from a defensive standpoint, you're either going to be rolling uh, move to kind of like represent you bobbing and weaving around, parrying, etc. 
Uh, well, Clash could be used for pairing if you'd like. Um, and then you have Endure, which is just flat out you're trying to take the hit or take potential hits, right? Cool. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do move to kind of represent my pairing kind of stuff. Mm. Um yeah, I like that. All right, so that move. And yeah, I'm gonna try to be a little sneaky, I guess. So uh, at home in the shadows. I'm just sort of always trying to use my uh wit and guile to help me out in most situations so okay so i've got an eight and your total you said was a nine yeah okay um in that case i'd like to use a plot point and add that three on awesome uh so yeah this bear uh, roars and tries to come down on you with his paws and frankly his bare body weight as it stumbles forward onto the uh, slick surface of the mudwater's famous roads but you manage to uh roll and parry uh, away from this and yeah i think we start as we start a new round um the mob still gets to pick who goes to the top of the round so the mom's just going to pick itself to go again <laughs> uh, of course yeah so that's uh, yeah that's what happens when you keep picking each other you know uh all the bad guys get to pick themselves and then potentially pick themselves again uh so fantastic so i think the mob is going to actually focus on i think ronnie as you deal with these creatures your friend your new friend here question mark getting their binoculars out to i guess get a better view of the carnage you're not quite sure what she's doing <laughs> You watch as a person across the uh, uh, street from you, a uh, young woman who has just ushered their children in through the door, uh, get plucked up by a heron and get flown out. And that's when suddenly something falls onto your shoulder, heavy and huge. A mutated crab is now on your shoulder. Uh, <laughs> and going to try to pinch your ear there. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and roll for it. That's awesome. Joke's on them. I've been meaning to get a new piercing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have rolled an 11 with a D6 effect. Uh, go ahead and put down, uh, put together a sort of defensive pool. Okay, this sounds like a survival here. Yeah, survival. If you're like kind of like brushing them off, or um, that would be like Endure or uh, Clash. Yeah, I was thinking Endure, and then do I get... An extra D6 for... Well, no, that's not fatigue. Yeah, you're so. not fatigued right now. This one, I don't think it matters which one it is, because they're all D8, right? Yeah. Okay. So, here we go. Oh. Oof. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, I got a one. You did get a hitch, and I am going to buy that hitch. So, take up your plot points. I'll take up my doom pool. Ronnie does have a hero die, right? Yeah, but it's just a d6, so... Uh, your total right now is 8, versus my total is 11. Uh, you would need to roll a 4, at least, on that d6. So you've got a 50% chance? Yeah, sure, I'll just go for it. Uh, hey. Hey. Okay, so that gets automatically added to your total there as a third die. Uh, so yeah, that brings you up to a 12. Uh, which is what you needed, uh, which is perfect. So, um, yeah, you brush off this uh, crab, put yourself some distance, and that's when you notice more crabs are raining from the sky. Somehow, sometimes, uh, they got on people's roofs, them and snakes as well. Uh, seems like the marsh is just out here in full force today. So there are crabs falling from the sky now. 
We're in hell now. You've been listening to Prime by Cortex. Zakara was played by JT. To see if there's anything of interest on the body that's just sort of my instinct. Ronnie was played by Laura. Yeah, so the second Ronnie heard someone say run, she, like, her instinct is, okay, we're running now. Mies was played by Mo Skell. She has a signature asset that are sort of magic binoculars. And Michelle was played by Kamala. That's got to be a lot of rotations eventually. I'm just thinking about that. If you have to run a lap for every year. And I'm Kirby. I've been your guide through the Broken Palisades. You can follow the latest with Prime by Cortex by checking out any of the links in the show notes. We'll see you next time.